Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon from lead pastor Jamie Miller. Before we get into the message today, I did want to say something about last week's message in which we talked about the communication hierarchy and we talked about smoke signals. Above that was emails. Above that was text and phone, video conferencing, and then face-to-face talks. And on the text message little thing we got into, you know, one of the things we talked about was if your life is so busy and packed up, scheduled so tight that you can't type the O before the K and then put a smiley on it, just need to loosen that schedule up just a little bit. Get a little breathing room in there. You can type the O and the K and send a smiley. Well, what that did basically was release a virus of K's all over the church, just everywhere. It wasn't until later that afternoon I sent Micah a text. I said, hey, bud, you, you forgot your book, you le- and I'll bring it tomorrow morning. He laid it on me. K. That's, that's my response. Smiley, sort of smiley, smiley. And I'm sure it'll be the first of many. Well, it was. It's uh, been flowing liberally. Uh, through the church. I, I can look around at a lot of you guys that have sent me K's, but, uh, but we did make it funny, which is, which is better than it just being, that's the way we're going to do it. So it's a point of laughter. Okay. So let's open our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1, 2, and 3. It's been kind of our home base for this series, and we'll get into a few other scriptures as well. But let's read this. This is the Word of God. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before Him, He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider Him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Amen. This is the Word of God. Thanks be to God. Okay, so uh, one of the things I've been really encouraged about, just with the Lent series in general, we've been doing this for a number of years now, but uh, is that it gives us a time to think about things we need to pull back from. So we did prayer and fasting before we jumped into this. You pull back from food when you do that. But there's other things we're highlighting in this series that are just good things to pull back from sometimes. And so we talked about laying down unbelief, laying down the second week, laying down our rights. Last week we talked about laying down isolation. And the point there positively, that's the negative, but the positive is open up to God, open up to other people. And it's in that opening up of ourselves to others that we really That's kind of how we define who we are as humans. We don't just define ourselves as isolated selves in the in the existential kind of frame reference of that. I think, therefore, I am. We are like God who defines himself in terms of persons, the son who's related to the father, the father who's related to the son and their shared love in the Holy Spirit. And that's how we end up actually knowing who we are. Our identity is in relationship. Dean is related to Lexi. Dean is a father. Dean has friendships here. And you can't describe who you are apart from those relationships and friendships. And, and, and we have, we have effect on each other's lives. So there's this famous Christmas movie that I thought all of planet Earth had seen, 
Um, but I found out after this last service that there were a number of people coming up to me and saying they had not seen It's a Wonderful Life. What? I, <laughs> what? So it's this movie. It comes on. There will be opportunities for you to see it this Christmas. I promise. Over and over. I think there's the It's a Wonderful Life channel, cable network. But uh, it just goes on and on and on. But in that movie, if you remember the plot, George Bailey wants to kill himself. He just, he's bummed out. The savings loans lost all the money and he's bummed out and he's going to kill himself. And Clarence, his angel comes to him and, and, and talks him out of it. And he says, you don't know how much of an impact you'd have. And if he pulled, it's, it's the, the story's like he pulled, I'm not trying to ruin it for everybody, but if he was pulled out of existence, what would happen to the rest of those relationships? What would happen to all those people? And one of the things that George was talking about was, no, those people didn't die. And Clarence said, oh, yes, those people did die because that all that whole transport was lost because you weren't there to save Harry, your little brother, when he fell through the ice. Remember the story? But he did save him. And But is as if he didn't. And then that whole transport was lost. George, your life affected so many people. And I'm going to help you understand that. And that's the way it is with us. Maybe not you know, exactly like that, but our lives, as they touch other people, there's intersections and impact and points of contact. I've often imagined when I'm doing a wedding of somebody that met at Christ Fellowship and now Antioch, when I just like, if we hadn't started the church 26 years ago, would they have met? Would those babies be here? You know, if they hadn't met and then had those kids, it's just kind of a trippy, time travel kind of thought. But the point I'm making about it is it's about relationships. And we make decisions that affect people and bring people together in ways that, you know, it's, it's, it's awesome. That's life in the church. So today what we're going to talk about is running the race with perseverance together. That's, that's the point here today is running the race with perseverance together. And to run the race, to run a good race, it takes lots of little things along the way. You got to do lots of little pieces along the way to run a good race. And so, uh, for example, I was watching golf every now and then. I like to watch watch a little golf. I, I, I think it's fascinating that I'll call Kim in on a Sunday afternoon. It's kind of my wind down thing. But I'll call Kim in. And I'll go, Kim, 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 here. This, this six-foot putt is worth $600,000 between first and second place. He missed it. His life has changed. Or he makes it. And his life has changed. And she's like, they make too much money. I don't, I don't set the rules, but it's fascinating to watch. And so I'm watching this, this a couple weeks ago, and this anchor was being pretty antagonistic about Rory McIlroy. Rory hadn't won in over a year. He'd had five top fives in the last ter- five tournaments and wasn't winning. And the guy said, he needs to win. Does he, have even, does he even have what it takes to win? And he's going on. And Rory just keeps saying, I'm just doing the little things, all the little things that it takes to put myself in a position. And this anchor is being kind of antagonistic and two other pros are there, Justin Leonard and this other guy, something Immelman. And, uh, and Justin says, hang on, buddy. He didn't say buddy. He said, hang on, man. You didn't play on the tour. And it does take lots of little things like that in order to put yourself in position. And he literally, Justin Leonard, used the illustration of a runner running a race. If a runner's going to run a race, it takes lots of little things along the way to get to the finish line. 
You've got to pace yourself. You can't just run flat out in a marathon. You've got to pace yourself and look at the clock. See how you're doing on your intervals. You've got to hydrate. You've got to take in food at the right time. It's a long race and you prepare for it like that. And that's the way it is with us. Running the race together. It's, there's ups and downs and hills. Hydrating, getting stuff we need, helping each other, encouraging each other along the way. So, I just did a little search of run in the New Testament. And there's like about 50 times it's used. Running's all over the place. Lots of running going on. So you got the crowd running to get to where Jesus is. You've got the disciples finding out that He's raised from the dead and they're running to the empty tomb. You've got the Father running to meet the prodigal. Right? Lots of running. Paul picks up that theme and talks about the metaphor of running over and over again. In Acts 20, verse 24, he says, I consider my life worth nothing if I don't finish the race and do this task that God's given me to testify to the gospel of God's grace. That's what I'm doing. I'm running this race. I'm running the race. To the Galatians, Paul says, hey, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you? And now you're going backwards. Instead of running in the Spirit, you're running in the flesh. Don't do that. Don't let people cut in on you like that. You run the race that God's given you to run in the Spirit. To the Corinthians, Paul says, I became a Jew to the Jews, like those without the law to those without the law, so that I could win people. And I'm, I'm running a race. And I buffet my body. I, I, I train it. I get in shape so that I can finish the race and it not be in vain. Uh, to the, I mean, I could keep going on. Philippians, he says uh, in chapter 2, he says, uh, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Work out what God's worked in you. And he says, I want you guys to do this. Stop grumbling and complaining and fighting. Get along with each other and so that I won't have run my race in vain. He's poured his life into these Philippians and he wants them to make it all the way. So all of those are great run metaphors. And certainly here in uh, Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews, like throw off the stuff that hinders and run the race that's marked out for you together. Run that race. And we all need encouragement. Everybody, everybody needs encouragement in the race. And just if I just get you, just raise your hand. Not, not like real demonstrative kind of big hand wave, but just, just a little. <laughs> you go ahead and give me a hand wave. <laughs> but uh, so, so we all need encouragement. And I've, I've joked about this before. Remember, I have, a, I have a incur, an, an encouragement bullseye on me. Just like the far side, you know, the, the deer, bummer birthmark, you know, he's got a target on him. Well, you can imagine me with a, an encouragement target because I need encouragement. We all do. And it's just a, a way of thinking about it. I was with eight or ten of the other pastors here in the area. We were meeting once a month. We meet for lunch and encourage each other. And we're breaking bread and talking about Jesus. Man, it's, it's good. I love these guys. I love the church in the city of Fort Worth. And I love that we say, literally, out loud, I love you, brother. It's all these different, you know, doxology and, and Christ church. And we were down at Harvest Assembly of God the, uh, the other day for lunch, but Wedgwood Baptist. I mean, we're doing this big uh, Easter Good Friday service with, I don't know, seven other churches or so. There's going to be more than, you know, 1,200 people out there or so together. It's going to be great. But, uh, we were sitting around and Dale, who was leading the discussion that day, said, okay, so we're going to go around and share prayer encourage, like what's encouraging you about prayer at your churches? And let's just make a toolkit out of this and let's sharpen each other by sharing what's going on. 
And I mean, man, there's a lot of great stuff happening that I got to share and bring encouragement. And people are like, man, this is that's exciting. One of the guys shared a story about, he said, we've been putting this basket out in our lobby and uh, it's, it's called just put, put one, take one. Put one in, take one. And it's prayer requests. And you put a prayer request in there and if you take one, you, you commit to pray for one week. I was like, that's good. That's encouraging. Just stirring up that stuff. Got to share some of the things that are happening around here. But what's it going to look like to be encouraged in running the race with perseverance in your own life? That's a great. That's that's what we're talking about today. So, a couple things. Let's look at. Here's the main thing. God wants us to throw off the hindrances and embrace the training so that we can run the race with perseverance together. Together, not by ourselves. It's a together thing. That's where we're going this morning. So, first of all, one of there's things that need to go, and there's things that we need to focus on and train in. So, here we go. Number one, we need to know what hinders us. And ultimately, what hinders us are different. They're just idols. They're, they're, it's idolatry. I mean, it's things that creep in and take a higher priority in our allegiance than Jesus Christ. They get more of our hearts. And it can happen to any of us. And it's like, uh, you know, just, and just to be clear, I, I, I felt like I needed to do a little more of this in second for, second service for some reason, but, but, uh, you know, Salvation isn't just, uh, and, and this is great to say this in America because it helps cut through, it cuts through some of the, like, it, it's, the gospel has been so reduced in America. It's like just believe in Jesus and go to heaven when you die. And, and so one of the ways I like to kind of cut through, that's not untrue, by the way, but, but I'll say, so when did Jesus Christ become your treasure? Like, when did he become the treasure of your life? Because the gospel of the kingdom of God isn't something less than Jesus Christ being the treasure of your life. Where he's first allegiance above all other allegiances. Before work or career aspirations or school, before politics. Somebody give me an amen there. That Jesus Christ is first above all other allegiances in our lives. And so that, that, that really affects us in running the race because on the race, we pick up stuff along the way. Again, everybody does this. So it's not just the bad sinners that pick up stuff along the way. It's, it's you too. And it's me. <laughs> Can we smile at that? And I'll, I'll share what I mean in just a minute. But imagine like a runner is on the starting line. He's got the running gear on. He's got the right shoes, the right clothes. And everything, he's got the, the timer, you know, they're about to shoot the gun and, and, and hit the, I'm not a long distance runner, never was, my feet were too big, it just plop, 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 I didn't, I wanted to run fast. And, uh, but, but there he is, he's ready to go, and he starts running. The only problem is he's got a duffel bag on that's got a big bunch of rocks in the back of it. Just 50 pounds of baggage. Imagine trying to run a marathon with a big duffel bag with all these rocks in it. And that's what these different things are. Like God really wants us to, from time to time, assess what we're carrying and, and take those things out. They don't, that's what Lent does. It helps us to pull back and go, hey, am I carrying around some rocks that I don't need to be carrying around anymore? So let's talk about that. Alicia Britt Cole wrote a great book, and I've been using it the last few years as we 
think about this season. It's called 40 Days of Decrease. Her last name is spelled C-H-O-L-E if you want to get it. It's a great book. It's almost like a resource about this time of year. But she has some different ways of approaching things. She'll, she'll say, these are things we need to decrease in. They're like rocks we need to get out of our sack. They're things that, that we need to take assessment of. For example, and just things I don't, I don't, I don't think of a lot, like uh, religious profiling. That's kind of where we look at other people and see how, where they rank on how we rank and are we, you know, and we're profiled. Well, you're in that group and so you're the teaching guys or you're in that group and you're the worship guy. You're in that group and you're the Holy Spirit guys or, and you, we profile it down like that. Another one was, uh, she said, we need to fast from, uh, one of the days was armchair Jesus, being an armchair Jesus. And that's where, like she said, her dad would always get upset when people were with them watching the game, but they'd never played football. And they're telling the coach, well, oh, that's ridiculous. Pull him out of there. He needs to, you know, armchair coach, armchair quarterback. What did you do? You missed the guy that's all wide open. Armchair Jesus. What would armchair Jesus be doing? Yeah, that's a good thing to fast from, right? Well, they need to be doing this in Russia and North Korea. And... This, I'm sovereign sitting here running the deal, right? Um, so I wrote some down for you there on your outlines, but so spiritual self-protection, that's a rock that gets in our, that, that, that's in our bag usually after we've been hurt, right? We get hurt by something, somebody, some situation. And so we start protecting ourselves, but it's hard to follow Jesus with liberty and run with liberty when we're trying to protect ourselves. When that, when that's our goal, that's the rock that we're carrying around. And it's kind of heavy to run fast with Jesus when I'm carrying around self-protection. You know, and all these sins, we talked about it last week, but the fall, it's like the self, it's self-focus, it's selfish. It's turned, it's, it's the self turned in on itself rather than being outward and concerned for others, concerned for God, concerned for others. Another one is apathy. So, uh, Graydon hit on this a couple weeks ago too. I mean, we, it's, it's something we need to fast from because apathy is it's like we get bombarded with so much information we know what's going on in real time when there's a tragedy happening in Australia or New Zealand or you know these different parts of the world I mean it's like real time around the world and it's it's just overwhelming the amount of stuff and so it's easier just to go I'm numb to this I get numb to people and and a, a variation of this would be I'm going to empathize with everybody and everything, and we can't do that either. I really can't be for every cause on planet Earth. I've got to be in people's lives where I know them, and they know me, and that's where effect is going to happen. Another one is escapism. Anybody ever feel like you're carrying around that rock? It's hard to run fast when you're trying to escape and pull back just to be entertained or to get away from the anxiety or the pain or whatever you're going through. And it could be food or TV. TV's a big one. It's, it's a big one, you know. So that's like, I heard this. I may have shared this recently. I can't remember. But uh, they say it, it take, you use less brain activity to, wa- to watch TV than you do doing nothing. So if I'm sitting here I'm using more brain power than I am. More brain power doing nothing than watching TV. 
So escapism, it's a big, it's a big, again, man, if we could just be free, we're going to receive grace, we're walking in grace, but let's, let's, uh, let's, let's wrestle through these things so that we can get more free to run the race. To, and so uh, stinginess would be another rock in my sack. If I'm stingy, I'm not free to really run. So how do I fight stinginess? Give. Generous. Be, be generous. Do some radical... Do, uh, just break the back of stinginess by doing some radical giving. Just get outside of yourself the way you've been given. And like fleas in the jar, we, be, we give this much. Well then, just rip the top off and jump out of the jar and find the joy of God that comes as you do that. And it's like that rock gets out of there when we start giving like that. Amen. Uh, spectatorship. Spectatorship. So that's another rock. That's, that's where I'm, I'm not fully engaging. I'm sitting back and I'm just kind of watching, you know, and, you know, you know J- Jamie's sermon, he got a six today. What, you know, there's a seven, seven and a half, you know, spectators, you know, just kind of watching. Uh, we did a couple the other night at the discipleship school. We hit on a couple performance. Uh, was one that if you get performance in your sack, it's hard to be free to run with Jesus and what Jesus is wanting to do when we're kind of the focus of it. And performance is really, it's, it's, uh, uh, I don't know, it just kind of creepy is the wrong word. It, it, it sneaks in. Creepy sounds like <laughs> sneaky. <laughs> Thank you. Gosh. <laughs> performance is creepy. And, uh, but so so think about it like this. Matt uh, gave a great testimony last week about Tijuana. I mean, it's awesome, and it's good for us to share the testimonies of what God's doing. But if we let the performance rock in our sack, we'll then start evaluating ourselves based on how, you know, like they they met a guy, they witnessed to him, he got saved, they prayed for his leg, he got healed, and they took him to church and got him connected with relationships in 45 minutes. I mean, just like that rocks. But then, but then if you got the performance thing going, you're going, well, I led somebody to the Lord and prayed for them and they got healed and I took them to church and got them into relationships, but it, it took me 90 minutes. It was like twice as much time. This is terrible, you know. When you start, when you start, I'm trying to make that light because when we do it, it gets ugly. And it's just, it's, it's that self turned in on self where we can't rejoice with what God's doing because we're concerned about how much we're doing. Hurry. Can I just say that this one probably touches just almost everybody, you know, especially as you get into life and parenting and working. Hurry is one of those rocks that just, man, we need to just lighten up on that and find out, hey, Lord, what's the most important, th- what are the most important things in life? And uh, one of the guys we look up to, his name's Dallas Willard. He died back in 2013, but uh, went to be with the Lord. But one of his mantras was relentlessly eliminate hurry from your lives. John Ortberg famously tells a story. He was one of the guys that was mentored by Dallas. He said, Dallas, okay, I'm, I got my notebook. I'm ready to go here. Just, just lay it on me. He said, John, relentlessly eliminate hurry from your life. He's like, oh man, that is a nugget right there. I'm, okay, another one. 
And John uh, Dallas says, relentlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Like he, that's a big deal. That in following the Lord is to slow down. It's hard to hear the Lord when we're just rushing from one thing to the next. When our calendar's so full, <laughs> we can't type O and K in a smiley, right? We have to use microwave for pop tarts instead of the toaster. Just loosen that schedule up a little bit, right? Okay. That's the first one. So it means we need to... Sorry, y'all. That's, that's too much. Uh, know what hinders us. And the second piece is we need to know what helps us. Know what helps us. So what I'm talking about here is the role of training and discipline. So I'm somewhere around the age of 50, that's not untrue. Yeah. I'm a little older. I'm older than that. Just for the Lord. But there is stuff that I can still do. Like, I don't know that I could do it at full speed, but I know what a three-step drop is because I had to do that over and over and over. And releasing the football from the... Thank you. Hutch is making a catch. But, sp- <laughs> but spinning that ball, spinning that ball, you know, or... Or, or being out on the wing and taking a pass and releasing the jump shot. Like those are, that stuff's still in, in me, even from Little League pitching, you know, just all those things. Or, or playing the guitar, you know, and just, I may not always be matched up with my right hand and my left, but I can still play those runs, you know, up the. Oh. <laughs> So, so the, the, the point out of that, the point out of that is to say, what are those things that we need to be doing in our spiritual lives that we do so repetitively, like training and discipline, that we don't have to think about it? It's just, it's, it's in us. We, we, we work it out because we've done it so many times. So, uh, so Paul talks about this. The passage I referred to earlier from 1 Corinthians 9. He, he talks about he's going to use his freedom to reach other people. And he says, but to do that, we need self-discipline in our lives. 1 Corinthians 9.24, Do you not know that in a race, the, all the runners run, but one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to win the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I don't run like one running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. And the writer of Hebrews is basically, he's, he's saying the same things. He's like, run with perseverance to win the race. Run to win the prize. Jesus, be like Jesus, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. He went through that discipline because he saw something out in front of him. And so, so the, he goes on there to talk about God disciplines his children. It's like a father who disciplines his child in love. It's loving. It's like we're orphans if we're not disciplined, if we don't accept discipline. And so, like a, like a, like a child, if our, if our kids were, at, our kids are grown now, but if they were at home and we said, don't run out in the street, it's for their own good. 
And we would discipline the create in order to create boundaries. And part of what discipline does, it helps us to grow up and be mature, functioning adults who know how to care about others and take other people's concerns into consideration and not be narcissistic in our self-focused inward turn of the fall that we're all having to deal with and work out. So we need things in our lives that help us. Verse 9 of chapter 12, he says, Moreover, we've all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of our spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our own good in order that we may share in His holiness. Now, discipline doesn't seem pleasant at the time. Somebody who's training for a race or getting, or going through a hard thing, it doesn't seem pleasant, but it actually helps us get stronger for running the race for the long haul if we'll embrace that. If we'll embrace that process along the way. So he goes on and he says, look, you're not running to the mountain of fear. Not that mountain, Mount Sinai where they were afraid they touched it, they were going to die. Now he says, you're running to the mountain of joy. The mountain of joy where it's the new Jerusalem where thousands upon thousands of angels are in joyful assembly. We're running to the mediator, Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. And His blood speaks a better word than that of Abel. That's where we're, we're running. That's what's coming. That's toward the end of the race. And He goes on there and talks about the kingdom and things that need to get out of our lives and be shaken loose. Kingdom stuff. Verse 26. At that time, His voice shook the earth. But now He's promised, once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. And the words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken. That is, created things so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. So what he's saying there is, we're running a race, and along the way there's hard things that happen to, to all of us. And it's like, a, it's like a, a shaking. And it rattles us sometimes. And sometimes things get rattled loose in that process. But you know what? Sometimes there are things that need to go from our lives. They need to be out of our lives anyway. It's not helping us, and it's not the kingdom. And that's what ultimately he's, he's going there for, going for there. And so we want to be people that know what it's like to worship God with reverence and awe and have our life ordered around Him because our God's a consuming fire. That's a, that's a quote from Deuteronomy 4 where he's talking about idolatry. And this gets us back to where we started. Ultimately, the things that hinder us they're just they're idols in our lives. And we want to so order life where Jesus is the first priority, the first allegiance, knowing the Father's love, the fullness of the Holy Spirit's work and power in our lives. That's what we want to run into. Okay, so what are specific aspects of training that we need when we're hitting the wall? And this is, I'm going to just be very basic here today. And I'll say it this way. Maturity is doing the basics with consistency. Maturity is just doing those things over and over that are, that are the, you know, you've got to bend your legs when you shoot. You've got to have your legs planted when you throw. You know, there's just basic stuff. And so for us in our walk, spending time every single morning, 365 days a year with Jesus. Not because it's a bummer, it's just because that's where the joy is. That's where the life to the fullness is. And it's not, it's like, there's desire. I want to be close to God. I want to know His presence. But there's some discipline that we walk through on that journey 
And ultimately, that leads to delight and joy in His presence in our lives. Some people will say, well, Jamie, I just, I just try to abide. I don't, I don't do the quiet time thing. I just, I'm, I'm with Him all the time. Man. I'm just abiding 24-7. It's just an abide zone right here. And, and amen, but I just find that I abide better when I start my day intentionally with Jesus. And I find that most people do that. Leaders around the world... I've gotten together in so many different kind of contexts with church leaders, and the biggest chunk of what we spend time talking about is what, what's your life with God like? Because that's the thing. I remember in the year 2000, the first time I went on an Antioch, and we had leaders from all over the world together, and uh, it's a much smaller group than, than it is now, and, but I mean in hard places, Pakistan, Afghanistan, this year 2000. And we spent three out of five days talking about spending time with God. Now, these are not immature brothers, leaders. They're, they're walking with God. But it's the thing that feeds our soul. It's the thing that it's, uh, it teaches us how to fish and not just eat a fish. It teaches us how to, to build that into life. So then, out, flowing out of that, the goal is of every day is to abide in Christ. Not rocket science. That's the goal of everyday life. Because apart from Him, we can do nothing. So we want to more and more wake up to the presence of God in our everyday lives. So when the pressures come, what am I doing? And I, uh, I, uh, Jim Reynolds was sharing just about some of the hard things he's gone through recently. And he says, when I'm under pressure, I run to prayer. I run to community. I run to worship. I mean... Those are great. Run to prayer, run to community, run to worship, and I would say run to the Word of God. One of the, one of the cool things that we've stumbled on in these last decade or so is discovery Bible studies where we read the Word of God, maybe a few paragraphs, several times, and then we'll just say, what does this say about God? What does this say about me and us? What, it, what, is there, what do I need to obey in this passage? And who do I need to share this with? And I mean, if you just got... That, I mean, you're, you're on your way to being able to really be helped by the Word of God because you're engaging the Holy Spirit. You're engaging God and letting Him activate His Word in us. So all of those things are just huge for us. What do we run into? Prayer. Worship. The Word. Community. Brothers and sisters. Don't run to isolation. Don't run to escapism. Don't run to apathy. I mean, all of those things, those, those pieces. You fight stinginess with generosity. You fight apathy with empathy, love, compassion, concern, actually being in people's lives, not just thinking about it. All right? I'm concerned world, about world peace. Like live out some peace in the relationships that you've got to live out peace with. Um, hurry. I'm going to just, I'll, I'll finish with this one. We'll wrap this up. But hurry, it, I think it touches all of us. All of those things I mentioned earlier might touch different ones of a spectatorship. Or hurry is, is one because you've heard of the phrase, little acronym FOMO, fear of missing out. That creates this shame thing or I'm not a good enough parent, I didn't do enough, I didn't take my kids to enough games or sports or get the trophies and the on and on and on and on this fuels this performance thing in us. Kim shared a, a little post with me yesterday from Brene Brown. And instead of FOMO, it said JOMO. 
which is the joy of missing out. Which is actually like decluttering enough to, to say, I don't have to do that. You know, and figuring out who we are enough. I know who I am and where I'm going enough to be able to say yes and to say no to things. Um, we want to run the race, you guys, marked out for us. And I'll just wrap it up with this. We do this together. It's a together thing. It always has been. You know, you, if you look at Hebrews, where we've been kind of parked the last few weeks, you know, Hebrews 11, there was all these guys and gals looking forward by faith to what was coming. By faith, by faith, by faith. And now we're living in the reality of that. Jesus is here. Jesus has come. Jesus died for us. He rose again, ascended, poured out His Spirit. The reality of the resurrected Lord in our midst. We're living in that. And now we've got a race to run. And we run that with perseverance. We run that together in a way that we realize, man, I've got a part to play. We all have a part to play. Everybody's engaged on this thing. Everybody just like, Lord, wake us up. Lord, help us to get the rocks out of our sack that don't need to be there so that we don't run in vain. It's just not nothing that we're doing. It matters. So that we will be kingdom people that have kingdom reality, that have the the wrong stuff that doesn't need to be there, shaken. It's okay. You know, John uh, Brown, our one of my mentors from the past, would say, you know, hey, I don't want to rattle you unless you can be rattled. You know, and just it's he would he would say things that were provocative to us, but he's like, are you putting your trust in Jesus? Are you putting your trust in how you do that? Just it was really, really good and significant. And the last thing I'd hit there is just that in the end, we want to be marked by Calvary-like. Love. We're going to talk more about the cross next week, but Lord, would you do that in us and make us this people that can run the race that's marked out for us and us keep going, not quit, not lose heart, encourage each other. Somebody's struggling, you're helping them, you're coming back, you're cheering each other on, all of that for the glory of God. Okay? Let's stand up. Let's respond to the Lord here. We're going to take a few minutes. We've got some time. Amen. Worship team, come on up. Ministry team, please come on up as well. You know, like so many Sundays, you guys, uh, we do this every Sunday if you're visiting with us and just take a little time to respond to God. But um, this is one of those messages where there's a touch point for everybody. There's, uh, what, what's the stuff in there that needs to be lightened so that you can run? What are the those hindrances and just whatever that is, man, let's get prayer. And then if there's stuff that you want to grow in, some discipline, some training that you want, you've got the desire, but you're just saying, hey, I, I want to have a breakthrough in this area. Getting up, spending time with God, going to bed earlier. Uh, I want to abide in Him through the day. I want to have a breakthrough in one of these areas. Whatever that is, man, please come, get prayer. And the other thing is, this time matters so much because... We're coming in with all different kinds of stuff that's happening in our lives. And if you need a breakthrough, please get someone to pray for you. If the front fills up, just husbands and wives, pray with a friend you came with. But get prayer because God heals, He delivers, He sets us free, He moves. It's like His, His when we pray, like in the name of Jesus, Jesus promises, I'm going to do it because it brings glory to the Father for you to pray in my name and me to answer that prayer. So, Father, meet us today. Just here we are, God. And we so want to just run in the grace and the life and the love of Jesus Christ. Lord, would You help us today? Bring breakthrough where there needs to be breakthrough. 
help where there needs to be help, healing where there needs to be healing. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. All right, be bold. Go for it. If you're walking through something right now, get prayer, you guys. Thank you, Lord. Set us free to run, Lord, to persevere in the race. In Jesus' name.